Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to encourage you to check out our other Time of Grace podcasts, like Bible Threads with Dr. Bruce Becker. Uh, Bruce has an amazing way of going deep on some of the coolest things in the Bible, teaching us things that maybe we never learned before, despite years and years of Bible reading. If you're interested, just search for Bible Threads wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And now on to today's episode. He is probably one of the best litmus tests for how temptation works. He's the most famous king in the Old Testament. His name is David. And he did something that was awful for any king or any person to do. It was a time of year when soldiers would go off to war, but he stayed behind, even though he usually would go. And late one night, he was out on top of his flat roof and he was looking and he saw a woman bathing. And so he manipulated his kingly power to bring her to himself. And then he cheated on his wife with this woman. And this woman cheated on her husband with King David. If that wasn't bad enough, she conceived and was pregnant. And so David tried to cover it up. He brought her husband back from the battle lines in order to create this cover up. But this soldier was so noble that he could not imagine himself going home to his wife, having this relaxing time while his comrades were away at battle. So he refused to go to his house. He slept at the city gates. David tried twice, didn't work. So David sent a message back with this soldier so that this soldier would be killed on the front lines. And then David brought that woman to himself so that he could be the hero. He could take this poor widow in and she would be his wife. What an awful thing, a despicable thing. And although it started with one terrible night, it did not happen overnight. And that's an important thing to consider when we talk about temptation. Temptation is not just all of a sudden there's this switch that was flipped and whoop, we fell into sin, boom, that's it. No. Do you think that was the first time that David ever looked lustfully at a woman? That he ever had thoughts that led him down a darker and darker path mentally, sexually? Was that the first time he ever thought about how he could manipulate his power in order to get his way? No, there's a couple places in the Bible that actually talk about temptation and sin as though it is ironically a, a child that is growing inside the womb of his or her mother. That's like temptation. It grows and grows until ultimately it gives birth to sin. It's a picture to help us understand that temptation doesn't just happen overnight. It starts with thoughts that we shouldn't be thinking, like stepping stones that are leading us down a path. And the path seems like it's totally fine and it's going to lead to greener pastures. But step after step, getting closer and closer, eventually it leads to sin the separation from God, falling short of his expectations or, or crossing the line. All of those are, are pictures of what really creates brokenness and separation in our lives. And for David, did he think he got away with it? Well, God didn't think so. And so God sends his messenger, Nathan, to talk to and to even confront David. And Nathan tells this story. There was a man who was wealthy and had all these sheep, and there was a poor man who only had one sheep. And he took care of it as though it was a child of his. 
Well, one day the rich man stole that sheep and prepared it as a meal. And David hears this story and he's outraged and says, this man should die and pay for what he did. And then Nathan says, gotcha, David, you are this man in this story. To go well for us, temptation tells us that every stepping stone along the way is for our good until we realize that, well, that it's not. And so David found that out. Like I said, he serves as the litmus test and demonstrating where temptation ultimately wants to lead. It leads to destruction, to brokenness, damage. In his case, it led to adultery and even murder. And yet, David is the perfect litmus test, not just because he failed, but also because of how he responded. In this moment, when Nathan confronted him, what did David do? Did he deny it? Did he kick him out because he's the king after all? Did he refuse to listen? Did he act belligerently? No, this is exactly the way that David responded. I have sinned against the Lord. Nothing else. How valuable for us that when we are tempted and when we fall into sin, the thing that we're afraid of doing is admitting it, acknowledging it, fessing up. We think that that's the worst thing you could do. It's maybe better to hide it, to cover it. We might be worried that God might, might get us. And, and even if we're talking to other people, if we confess our sins to them, somebody that we trust, of course, that they might burn us. But no, this is the message that God has for us. The message that he had through his messenger, Nathan. The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. The Lord does not like that we are tempted or that we fall into sin. But through confessing our sin, he demonstrates his ultimate goal. To communicate forgiveness. That that sin is taken away. That ultimately, although we may die in this life and will unless Jesus comes first, we will not die forever. Instead, God has provided eternity for us. And so when we face temptation, we keep our eyes fixed on the one who pays for all of those sins. And that in and of itself strengthens us in our time of need. So we can pray like King David did. After confessing his sin, owning up to it, he went on to pray these words. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Since the Lord has taken away our sin for all eternity, will he not also strengthen us and restore in us that joy right now, even strengthening our spirit to help us when we are weak and even tempted?